Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of No Reserve, Haggerty's podcast about the enthusiast car market. Now, we're here to help you make sense of the market, whether you're buying, selling, or just watching. Okay, $51 million. That's what a Ferrari just sold for. It's the second highest price paid for a car at an auction. In this episode, we'll bring you all the background behind that huge sale, plus a whole host of cars that the rest of us can afford. I'm Larry Webster, editor of Haggerty Media, and I'm joined by Dave Kinney, the publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide. Between the two of us, we've got decades of experience buying, selling, and driving the cars we love. Plus, we don't just guess at the values, we're backed up by the data of the Haggerty Valuation Tools. Okay, Dave, let's just jump right into it. Um, there was a really interesting car that was for sale, and I just want you to tell the audience it was a Lamborghini. Tell us a little bit more about it, because you've been sort of watching this closer than I am. Yeah, I really have been paying attention to this a lot. This was a uh, car that was on uh, bottoms that was for sale in Abu Dhabi for um, the the Grand Prix sale. And uh, it's a uh, Lamborghini Countach 25th anniversary edition. Uh, the interesting thing is, well, number one, the car's a wreck. It was actually the car that was wrecked in the movie. And uh, number two, it was reported as sold by some media outlets, but it actually was never sold. Um, and I think can, that that's, there's a story there. Yeah. Can we back up for a second? This is, I find yeah. it, this is super interesting in the auction world and, and just sort of like the, where reality is suspended, right? Okay. The Wolf of Wall Street, awesome movie, right? The book was incredible. Um, that was a Martin Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio, super hysterical, right? Yeah. And so, he was the wolf, man. He was hungry like the wolf. <laughs> Sorry, I had so Leonardo, his character crashes this famously. He's so high on drugs, he crashes this white Countach, and you know their estimate was I thought crazy high. It was one and a half to two million bucks. When according to the price guide, a really nice 25th anniversary Countach is under a million bucks, right? Yeah, but this is a couple things going for it. Number one, it's the iconic colors for uh, you know a 25th anniversary Countach right now. I believe white on the white. white the white is I iconic, whereas the red was the one that you saw most of the time back in the day. Sure. But I think the white, you know, because of the whole uh, Miami Vice connection with a white Testarossa, which we will be talking about later, um, you know, was kind of it has kind of become the iconic, uh, uh, you know, 80s cocaine fueled uh, uh, crazy market. It. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. But okay. this one, you fix it to drive it. It, and you've killed its value. I mean, I guess what I'm this I, I understand the appeal to this car as a ornament, as a display item. Oh yeah, this was a car that was crashed in the movie. Ha ha ha. But I'm I'm just baffled why they would expect that to trade, you know, multiple times higher than a fully functioning car. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was a star of a movie. So, uh, but you know, here's the whole thing, and we've talked about this before. You know, fame is is fleeting, uh, and mm -hmm. the people who saw Wolf Wolf of Wall Street, um, you know, now the only time you're going to see it is on Netflix or something like that. It's uh -huh. no longer as important. Um, the whole genre of the uh, kind of '80s excess and the you know the kind of scams coming out of Wall Street, although they go on. Um, the uh, the nineteen <laughs> the nineteen '80s version. What are you of talking it, about, uh, Dave? It, yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I have no idea. What you know, I, I, I uh, take those words out. Nobody, nobody would ever think that there'd be anybody, you know, in for themselves. Street's still on the up and up, Dave. You know that. Please. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for that reminder. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a a moment in time. It would be great as a museum display, 
but kind of only for people, let's just say 40 years or over right now that uh, remember the movie. So, you know, it's interesting in that way. But then again, the 40 year old people are the people that seem to have the disposable income to go to museums and buy Lamborghini Countach's like this. So um, it's, it's really interesting that it was reported as sold. Uh, well, I, oh, wait, wait, can, can we just stop there? Oh, so there's sure. two things. The first thing was, okay, I guess in Abu Dhabi where they, where this auction was, right? There, 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 there's money like just, you know, four inches deep all over the sidewalks, right? So <laughs> that does make sense that they would ask this extraordinary amount for a crash car. And that's one thing. But then the second thing, after the auction ended, you're saying there was some reporting and explain the reporting that you saw. So, okay, it looks like the source on this was ESPN F1, uh-huh. yeah. uh, you know, their Formula One channel. And they saw it as, uh, or they called it as sold. Well, if you've been to a Bonhams auction or almost any auction, you know that they, they hit the hammer after the car is done. But that doesn't mean that the car was necessarily sold. The thing you listen for next at a Bonham auction, generally speaking, is thank you, sir. Or, you know, that goes to paddle number 73 or something Mm -hmm. along those lines or going to a great collection, you know, things like that. Uh, But there was none of that after this sale. And so if they were not real familiar with how auctions worked, and I'm sure that's what it was, somebody was there, reported as sold, and then another media outlet got on it and and recorded it as sold. But if you go to the source material, the Bonhams website, you can see that it's still for sale and it's still asking $1.5 to $2 million. So, uh, you know, the car didn't sell. I don't know what's going to happen to it, whether it goes back to the owner or Bonhams is going to put it in another sale. Sometimes that happens. But it's interesting because a lot of times with cars like this that are very, very special, the old timers and and myself included in that group would tell you that uh, sometimes on some cars, your first bite at the apple is the best bite at the apple. So the second time it goes up for sale, it might not reach that 1.35 that it was reported sold at. And that was probably just the high bid of 1.35. Okay. So you're explaining a nuance to a live auction. Sure. Okay. And and so if you're there and you're watching and you hear the hammer, you're like, well, that means sold. But it doesn't, right? There's all these little tricks that are done to sort of amplify the showmanship of an auction. Is that sort of what I'm hearing? Well, do you want to you want to go to an auction and watch 16 cars in a row fail? I mean, you know, I've done I'm not saying many, it's bad. I'm just saying, is that what it is? I think that's part of it. I think it's part of the patter that you hear in an auction. You know, uh, uh, thank uh-huh. you so much for bringing the car is a lot different than thank you so much for buying. So, uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of things you have to look for. But ultimately, you should always check the website of the uh of the auction company and see if they report it as sold because that's a lot more reliable. And then there's also other sources like Haggerty tracks the auctions. You can go and see, you know, if Haggerty reported it as, sale, as sold, for example. So, uh, you know, it's just a little trick, but um, but here's the monkey wrench in the whole thing or the, uh, should I say, the adjustable spanner. Another since, one? Yeah, since I'm here in England, I'll call it the spanner in the works instead of the monkey wrench. The second Wolf of Wall Street car also, there's another one. Yes, also a white uh, Lamborghini Countach 25th anniversary edition. There are some minor differences. You'd have to look to find them, but they are there. Is being offered for sale currently and is going up for sale in another auction from another auction house with a sale date of December 8th. Now, we're not quite at December 8th when we were recording this. We're still in November. But how confusing is that going to be? 
it's almost like the who's on first thing because somebody says, yeah. oh, I saw the Lamborghini Countach and Wolf of Wall Street sold. Well, actually, no, it didn't. Well, how do you know that? Well, I checked the website. Well, when you check the website, did you also notice that there's the second one? These are called hero cars in movie talk. The second hero car from uh, from the Wolf of Wall Street is going up for sale right now. So that's, uh, you know, that's pretty amazing in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the two cars both being sold at the same time. Kind of hilarity of the whole thing to me. So I noticed the second Wolf of Wall Street Countach, another white one that has not crashed, the one that's going up for sale in a week. I do not see a price estimate for that. And my question for you, Dave, is if you have two that were in the movie, one was the iconic crash scene and it's still crashed. The car is uh dented and everything and then you have the second one which is pristine and drivable which is worth more well here is here is the head scratcher of all time guess what the pre-sale estimate is on the non-wrecked car what 1.5 to 2 million dollars same price same price or same estimate. Yeah, same, they don't know. Same I mean, estimate. We don't know what it's going to sell for. But okay, well, you as an appraiser, what, which one do you think is worth more? Listen, I got to tell you, the car that's not wrecked is worth more. The car that is oh, the car that God. is wrecked there is dude, in the world. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but the car that is wrecked is more interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's worth but interest nothing. doesn't equate to value, right? I mean, you can get in. Hopefully, you can get in the one that's being sold that's not the wrecked car. Hopefully, you can get in and drive it down Wall Street because it's being sold in New York. York City and, you know, have your pictures taken, uh, you know, in all the Wolf of Wall Street poses. So, uh, you know, get that unconstructed, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, what's the material? Come on, help me out here. Linen jacket and, uh, you know, wear it around just like everybody did in the 80s. Okay, so this is super, I mean, yeah, it's just hard for a regular person to, you know, a really good 25th anniversary Countach is what, seven, eight hundred thousand, right? I will say... Time to get in price guide mode. Lamborghini Countaches have been climbing on right. an almost weekly basis. So yeah, they're 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 approaching a million, but not there. How's yeah. That? Okay. So then you add on the movie history to this uncrashed one, and you could see a fifty percent increase. Which we've done a lot of stories about the celebrity value on a car on Hagerty uh, Media. And it really kind of works out to about 20%. So this looks to me like pretty optimistic price, but, you know, who knows? You know, the other thing you can do is just find another white one and uh, take it to Cars and Coffee and say, just, yeah, it's the car from Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, you know, and, and unless some guy's there, you know, copying down the uh, VIN number and, you know, does a search on it and, and is going to call BS on you next week when right. you bring it, uh, you know, who the hell cares? You wouldn't do I, that, you know, would it, you, Dave? All the time, man. Like, totally. I take total advantage of it. Here's, I would definitely do that. The other thing that's, that cracks me up about no, this Oh, I would never do that. Would you know, like, especially during this time in the 80s, how many fake Countaches uh, there were with Countach bodies on Fieros? Like, they couldn't have <laughs> crashed one of those. I mean, nobody yeah, would have known. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is that's what they used to do. They, yeah. And, you know, for the, for the movie Tucker, for example, they made dozens of fiberglass Tuckers. And yep. they, uh, you know, they, they put them on old school bodies so they'd have, you know, kind of, a, you know, they'd take a, I don't remember what they took. I think it was, maybe it was Buicks or something like that and made them into Tuckers. And that was kind of a... Yeah, just 
let's kind of call it a cheaper, but also kind of a more acceptable thing to do than wreck an actual Tucker. At this point, though, you know, these were maybe, I don't know, $125,000, $150,000 cars when this, uh, when this movie was made. So when you think about it, making a fake one, even though there were the Fiero ones out there, you might get laughed out of theaters by car people if they saw it as a Fiero being wrecked. So maybe that was the... That was the standard they were looking for. Hey, it's Martin Scorsese. I, I know. Mean, I think it's not, Martin Scorsese he, he, got everything he wanted. Yeah, yeah. I that, think that's it. And the producers didn't have the backbone to say, like, look, we're just going to crash the Fiero. Nobody will know. <laughs> well, now it'll all be done with CGI, right? They just take <laughs> a, a billion photos of the things. They'd make it into a, you know, they take all the little, you know, the little points on it, and they'd make it into a, a CGI Lamborghini Countach and do it that way. Right. So even better, nothing gets harmed except for uh, computer pixels. Right. Well, okay. Super. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the you know the people buying these are emotional beings. I think that's always the the lesson whenever you and I speak about this. So it's always hard to predict exactly how humans are behave. Not always rational, you know, especially right. our desires and our likes or not. So that's why we have these sort of weird anomalies like these Countaches. But uh, you know, a lot of cars continue to sell, and we've got a great list up. So uh, Dave, what's the first one in our opening bid segment? What's sold lately that you really liked? How about on Hegarty Marketplace? We've got a 95 Impala SS that's got some uh, Lingenfelter uh, modifications to it, which is never a bad thing in terms of the performance department. 28,000 views on Hagerty Marketplace, and oh, wow. it sold for al- almost $1 per view. It sold for $27,800. Uh, and this was a, um, uh, you know, a, a cool car. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and it was worth every bit of that bid. Neat car. Yeah, totally neat car. I mean, this during this time, the um, you had the Impala SS, which was a hot rod version of a basically a taxi cab. And then, you know, Mercury did it with the Marauder. <laughs> and it was just a, kind of a, I don't know, would you call it like a Blues Brothers uh, renaissance. Yeah, there was a, you know, I think more police car than taxi cab. Yeah, so okay, I think police we're on, car. We're on the same page, but you know, something fleet. How about that? Something fleet. Um, but but they but they took this fleet car, and I think everybody bought theirs in black so they could look like a uh, you know an unmarked car coming down the road right. behind you, I guess, until they blew by you. But anyhow, uh, uh, this one, you know, obviously. It, this is big money for this type of car. You can buy a kind of a shall we just say, much less well-cared-for version for almost half this if you go. But uh, I think this car did very, very well. Like I said, had a lot of a lot of views on uh, on Marketplace. Yeah. This is the second year of the SS, uh, black with gray. Uh, Lingenfelter 383 cubic inch LT1 engine package installed in 96 by Lingenfelter in Detroit. Uh, we all know that's really not Detroit. What is that? Uh, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. It's uh, Lincolnia, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, Anyhow, uh, yeah, I know, I know. And hey, you're an Arbor guy. You're supposed to know this <laughs> stuff. Well, uh, you know, the, the, a couple things st- struck out about me about this car. Um, I really like it. Uh, that motor and powertrain package, plus it's got 410 gears. So this thing is going to light up the tires in the bottom three gears, no problem, which just yep. on its own is super fun. And this generation GM sedan was the last, like, the big body-on-frame, rear-wheel-drive sedans. So, super cool on all those cars. And the price for this was more remarkable because there's a fair amount of sun damage in the paint. I'm sure you yeah, noticed. Yeah, it's got some, uh, yeah, it's got some uh, clear coat that's missing on it. Clear so, coat yeah. that's peeling. So, that is that is not a cheap thing to fix, as you well know. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can get a decent one of these for around 20 And 
as cool as it is, as cool as the powertrain is, you still have like a mid nineties bread and butter General Motors interior, which is, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll put it nicely. Yes, not, you know, what, are, what are we going to say about that? You're not feel, you don't feel like you're rolling heavy when you're sitting in this thing, right? You feel like you're rolling. No. Poor. And, and you definitely, it is the same smell that you got from that last cop car you were in <laughs> or that last taxi cab, because that vinyl and that, uh, you know, that stuff just did not age all that well. And, by 95, it was pretty much the same damn gray leather that they used in 85 and probably Everywhere. 75 and probably 65 if they had gray leather. Then. Right. So, yeah. I, uh, but, I mean, this is such an outlier, too, because usually what I've what I've heard from you and the other people in the valuations, when you modify a car, expect that to decrease the value. And Yeah, but this is name brand, man. And Well, okay, maybe Lincoln Felter has a name brand. Maybe it doesn't. But... This the modifications here were done. Let's say I don't know what the right word is properly or something we'd all would do. So it actually increased the value of the car, and right. you know, super cool. I mean, obviously, just like you said, the twenty eight thousand five hundred people viewed this this listing, so there was a lot of action and a lot of excitement about it. And another like super crazy fun, exciting car for not a lot of money, right? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you want to talk about a lot, of, a lot of car for not a lot of money? Look at what's coming up next, man. What is it up next? A 2002 Caddy Eldorado. They called this the ETC, not con, not to be confused with the Cadillac Eldorado, mm-hmm. et cetera, um, at Cars and Bids for $6,400. It's red. It's been in Texas since new. It's, it's got a North 6, Star. 6,000 miles. Uh, no, no one's perfect, right? No, I like the North Star. You don't? Oh, I do too. But everybody always tells me about their, you know, problems with North Star engines. I, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. I hear about the turbos on my, uh, on my Power Stroke Ford. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, yes, it's going to have some issues come up at some point in time. But it's got fifty six thousand miles. If it was well cared for, you're probably fine. This is number five sixty five of fifteen hundred and ninety six collector series models. Now, I love it when they call them collector series because I don't know who is uh, you know the co- intended collector. This baby's red with red and black uh, interior. I love this thing for sixty four hundred dollars. This is the one you should buy for your nephew. You should have. I was just thinking nephew. that I should have bought this for my nephew. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a screaming deal. deal. I mean, I rented one of these, if you can believe it. I I had a national rental in in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, they they were like out of cars and they gave me like a triple upgrade. You know, I'm expecting a (laughs) a Datsun, uh, whatever. And I don't mean Nissan. So, wait, you got upgraded to a Cadillac at the rental car uh, fleet in 2002. This is when Big Papa was born. This is when you're like, okay. This is how I'm supposed to live, right? <laughs> the birth of Big Papa. You're exactly right. 2002, the light comes on. I get out of the airplane, you know, start walking. The music in the background, yeah, the music, I think it's everything. the Bee Gees. I'm pretty sure it's the Bee Gees, you know, whatever. <laughs> Even though it's a decade late, maybe a decade and a half. Yeah, and, I could um, see it. You know, I could tell, by the way, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, hey, this car's cheap. $6,400, like I said, on Cars and Bids. This is my favorite car on Cars and Bids in the last two months, I think. And I love a lot of the cars I, there. So, uh, I mean, it's yeah, just it's like fun. that RX-8 that sold on the Hagerty Marketplace not too long ago that was a screaming yep. deal under ten grand. Uh, you know, the, the thing we didn't speak about, this is a two-door version of really the STS sedan, which 
I mean, this is when uh, the late 90s when Cadillac says, hey, man, we got to really get out of our, you know, our pimp daddy image and modernize. Yeah. And that car was gorgeous today. This design is I agree. Gorgeous. I think the, yeah. I think this car is like one of those things that's going to end up that the design will end up in a museum oh, yeah. somewhere, some part of like you know some part of high point of GM design. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And especially yeah. the interior. I mean, if you look at the 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 classic simple lines of the dash on these, it's shallow, mm-hmm. it's low, it's really comfortable, and yeah, it's not a BMW M5, not even close. But you could go cross country effortlessly in this thing and get out of it like just totally fresh i mean the air conditioning worked really well great seats all that stuff so 6400 bucks oh my gosh and it and it doesn't look like 2002 to me i think this car yeah. was so far ahead of its time it looks more like a, a 2012 type of car right. so you know it, it's got a lot going for it it's kind of monochrome so it's got that kind of dipped 80s look even though it's the you know the, the 2000s by now right but i love the interior too black leather with red accents yeah, and these so are cool. not little tiny tiny lines these are big fat red accent lines yeah. i love them the funny thing about this era, this was like um, the, the, what I remember is you still had the old GM firmly entrenched in a lot of unfortunate areas. And what I mean by that is like, OK, by now, you know, Honda had shown up 20, 30 years ago with all the controls felt like they're on roller bearings, whether they were or they weren't. The turn signals, <laughs> the shifters. Good way to put it. Right. Yeah. Even in 2002, this thing had a mushy brake pedal of a 1975 Impala. And, you know, it has a big shifter, an automatic shifter on the on the uh, center console. And when you shift it, you feel like you're dragging it through, uh, let's say, two sides of a plastic sheet. Right. You have an annoying click of the turd seals. Mm-hmm. It's like it was like they were so close in a lot of areas. But then these things that you touched every day were just they just felt as cheap as on the cheapest Chevy. And I think that's what hurt this car. That's a theory I have. Yeah, I think you're right with that, and I think that they've they've learned a lot from that. I think all the manufacturers have that yeah. you know the 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 kind of what do they call them tactile you know touch points and right. all that sort of stuff uh, are very very important to people. And and you know when you get in a in a Cadillac, it should feel like a Cadillac, look like a Cadillac, smell like a Cadillac, perform like a Cadillac. And I think they were missing that you know one part of that, which was you know to have the touch of a Cadillac because that was missing in that era. I'm going to ask you again, when you see stuff like this, just call me. Let me bid on it. Okay. I, my nephew I know, needs a but car. I see them after they're sold oh, okay. so many times. Well, we got, it's, you know, we got some coming up. They're still for sale. Maybe there's one for one for your nephew. In okay. Here. Uh, this next one uh, I want to talk about because people have been pinging me with cars like this time and time again. And it's a 1989 Mercedes-Benz 560 SEC AMG 6.0. With the wide body kit. Okay, Wolf of Wall Street, everybody thinks, was the Countach. It really wasn't. It was the Mercedes-Benz 560 modified by Pick Your Tuner House here, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And there were a lot of them back then, but AMC's kind of the, you know, AMC's the champion. They're the survivor. Yeah, they're the survivor. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of people who modified cars back then, but AMG was the one to bet your horse on and bet your horse race money on, and they're the winner. This car... I love it. There's another one coming up, incredibly similar, coming up for auction soon uh, with much less miles. This car, uh, let's see, what were the miles on this thing? I'll find them here. But in the meantime, um, there's a world beater coming up. Yeah. Well, what uh, I really like about these, the AMG versions, so they got a big six liter double overhead cam V8 that had a power. It's the same motor that was in the AMG Hammer. 
that went well over 150 miles an hour. So it had legit performance cred. And then the the wide body, what what I remember the era was you had two camps. You had this was a pretty tasteful wide body, sort of like a uh, M3 from the era, you know, just flared out fenders versus the Koenigs and the other ones were just like cartoons. They were so yeah, exactly. So this yeah, is like they, a car you could actually use. They put strakes on, like on a right. uh, uh, Testarossa and stuff like that. And yeah. you're right. And this is also on a 560. So I mean, it's a it's a luxury car all the way through that happens to be a performance car as well. So this is just like the Cadillac what, we were just looking at, Dave. Yeah, but there's a little bit of a difference in price. What's the price you difference? Probably probably going to pay about twice what the Cadillac cost in taxes on this car. <laughs> This car sold for four hundred seventeen thousand five hundred. Now you and I, wow. you know, I'm got a couple of years on you. I'm going to admit it. Wow. But you and I both remember going and visiting German car repair shops, and in the back or maybe outside under a cover, yeah, there'd always be an AMG car. Was there there'd always be an AMG car? <laughs> there was always there, and it was not worth fixing. It was as simple yeah, as that. Yeah. Boy, has that trend changed, huh? I mean, it has every, what the, you know, the, 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 they call this era the 80s, this Radwood era, right? Because, you know, yep. rad, everything's rad. And and I'm not a big fan of that word, but if you look at this, this thing, this car in particular, has every visual touch point from the era that we all saw in the car magazines. Number one, those Recaro seats with the adjustment on the right uh, thigh bolster. Right. It has the Recaro type C seats. Type C. And ask me how I know. <laughs> I have a car with them. Okay. And it has the um you know, the steering wheel that looks like you bought it out of the back of a car magazine. I don't see <laughs> the integrated uh K four radar detector. K forty radar detector. That has to be something. Well that's because that's because it's hidden. Uh, it's you hidden. know, the guy was driving through Virginia one time and decided to, you know, to to hide it. Right. So uh, that's uh, that's my explanation. Everything blacked out, not a yep. not a shine on it except for the rims. Right. So yeah. it, it really ticks that eighty style, which, you know, just like everything, now that I'm over fifty, I learn everything comes back. I mean, if the seventies bell bottoms come back, that means anything's going to come back and here absolutely we are. no yeah. no i mean and and uh you could still drive this car with some degree of irony uh you know i can't <laughs> if i if i drive a car from the 80s that's kind of you know like a high fashion car from the 80s everybody looks at me and goes oh poor guy he's still stuck stuck in the 80s yeah for me it could be like well no this is a dream car when i make it i'm getting an amg yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I but this like price it. is 400 417. It, yeah, it's Larry. I, I I am uh as much as we talked about the market softening, good time to buy. This just seems like holy cow crazy money. Hey, let's do the math real quick. How many of these El Dorados could we buy for 400? <laughs> All of them is the answer, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, this is something you've been talking about for a while, though. As the generation gets old, as Gen Xers come into money and, you know, we're in the middle of the biggest wealth transfer in the history of this country, right? And so as yes, us boomers are dying fast, man. Get in line. I can't. Dave, I, I appreciate being in your will. It's very generous of you. I know you have no kids. I, I'm, I'm looking for the proper consideration. But um, so that's really what's kind of fueling a lot of the 
price rise in these specialty cars. And the other thing, how many of these seats were really made legit from AMG in 1989? What, 20? Not that many. Here's the interesting thing. You have to check it and you have to take an expert along with you to, to check it out. But this car, I think, has been fully vetted because it has the AMG, uh, you know, the 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 serial yeah, numbers on the fenders and things like that because yeah you could also buy a plastic body kit for your car that looked an awful lot similar right. so you have to be very careful well i hope that buyer obviously is very excited about it because they, they really bid it up this was an auction so you know let's hope they enjoy it let's what's the next car that's that's on the, the past sale list it's interesting dave let's go back to cars and bids for a, a mustang that you and i probably should have bought anyway 2011 Ford Mustang GT Roush, wow. a 5XR with oh 25,000 miles. It does have the six-speed. Yeah. Uh, it's number 13, 113 of 136 produced in 2011. Sold for 26.5. That sounds Amazing. like an awful lot of money for no. a Mustang, and it kind of is. Kind of is. But you know what the MSRP on this car was when it was new? Probably 65 grand. 56,480. Yeah. So your dyslexia comes into play again, right? <laughs> you thought it was 65 and it was 56. I hate that. It happens to me all the time. You know, uh, you takes know, me he, down and I laugh. I love it, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad there's a few miles between us all the time because that way my nose doesn't get punched and I don't have to throw the punch either. So anyhow, uh, uh, good looking car. It's got that uh, that uh, Kona blue, which is a great color, charcoal yeah. black uh, um, interior. It's a Texas title. I think the car's got a, um, a one owner too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's uh, you know it's a great car, and you're buying it basically for half price of the guy who bought it new. He put 25k on it. You've got another 125 you can put on it if you want. Uh, this is really interesting because you know the the car of this the, the 2011 2012 Mustang. The one you want is the 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 Boss 302, and mm -hmm. it's on my bucket list. They are incredible cars. They sound wild. They've got great chassis, beautiful shifter. Fantastic. Uh, they have, I think, around 400-ish, 450 horsepower. So this one, you get the motor, you get a blower, a supercharger with 525 horsepower. You get the Roush name, which I think back in the day when he was really actively involved in racing, had a lot of cachet to it. Today, you know, we could argue back and forth. I don't know. However, you got this car with more power for less money than if you went to buy a 302 right now, right? Yeah, that's correct. So no, bargain, now, bargain, you, bargain, bargain, bargain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a 2011. I like the style of these. You know, yeah. the Ford Mustang has been, the changes have been evolutionary instead of revolutionary. So, you know, you, you, your your mother-in-law won't know if it's a 2011 or 2023, but the Mustang guys sure will. So, um, but, you know, for 26.5, um, a great buy. Great, great buy. A lot, a lot of fun. I mean, just think about my, uh, I just sold my 86 Fox body, my 86 GT. Um, on the Hagerty Marketplace, it bid up to fifteen two fifty and sold. Now yeah. it's a different thing, right? If you grew up in the eighties and you really wanted a Fox body, that experience is is nowhere near what this is. But I mean, you just think about all around better car, better speed, better air conditioning, all that stuff. This is, I mean, great buy, great buy. Somebody was really smart here. You know, the next car coming up, Yeah, sure. just want to let you know, I, I need your address because I've got to have it delivered to you. I, I bought it for you. Um, <laughs> you know, Merry Christmas, Larry. I, you know, th there's a couple of provisions, you know, if, before you accept it, you have to agree to wear a captain's hat. 
I got uh, one. Anytime you drive it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, you have to also move to uh, West Palm Beach or Naples, Florida. And I have to have an ascot okay? around my neck. An scarf. ascot would be, uh, you know, that would be <laughs> perfect. Exactly. Because it's yeah, a I 1998 it. Mercedes-Benz SL500. They're calling it a sport with uh, 52,000 miles uh, sold for 31,000 on the MB market. Now, we've big, talked big about price. this before. They've talked about this before. Yeah. You can pay way too much for one of these cars, way too much for an SL. Yeah. And you can pay a really decent price for an SL. And you really need to get into the into the car before you can find out exactly whether you did the right thing. Um, this car actually looks pretty damn nice. 52,000 miles, like I said. Uh, final year of the M119, and it's two-owner car. Uh, probably not my cup of tea, but I thought with the white and blue, I mean, you know, we can call you Captain Larry when you drive it. What do you think? I am down. I I thought this was a really strong price for this car. Not Mm -hmm. that it's not worth it, but that they seem to trade for about 10 grand less. And, you know, the thing was, most of these cars were parked in a garage their whole life. The 52,000 miles is really nice. That's low, but it's not really that uncommon with these. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was sort of like, oh, Dave, is this telling us something? Like the market is understanding that these cars were, they're undervalued a little bit. Yeah, the good ones definitely are undervalued. Mm. There's a whole bunch of people now who are making their daily bread by selling these cars, finding nice ones, which is still easy to do. Yeah, uh, you know it gets it gets a little bit uh, you know a little bit harder every single day. But finding the nice ones and culling them out from the not nice ones is kind of a big deal that you have to do on these. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like I said, you know, you show me your permanent address in Naples, Florida, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm shipping it down to you. You got about yeah. what thirty days. Okay. That's where they all are. The, the, the last one, um, I, I'm really excited. This car has baffled me since it came out. And uh, mm-hmm. this price, I guess, doesn't surprise me, although I still don't understand it. This is a 2004 Volkswagen R32, which was the top of the Volkswagen Golf. It had four-wheel drive, a little more power, manual transmission. It's sort of the holy grail for GTI heads. And with only 710 miles, I mean, this car never got driven. It sold for $85,000. And I'm still a bit shocked. You're probably going to tell me I just don't know what I'm doing. This makes sense to you, doesn't it? I'm kind of shocked as well. Okay. okay. Now, let's let's be honest. Um, you know, the, the line of golfs that are getting ready to um, self-destruct, shall we just say, or self-destruct with the, the help of their ninth, ninth or tenth owner, uh, is a very, very long one. Uh, so this is probably yeah. a one of one never to be seen again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's many out there that have less miles or even anywhere near the type of, type of miles this has. No. This is a lot of money, but I'm not going to give the uh, the new owner any crap about it. I think that they bought a real kind of a timepiece and put it away. Uh, or that was put away. I don't know whether they're going to drive it because every single mile that you take will take a thousand dollars off the price right. or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe not a thousand, but let's put it this way: if a car winds up with forty-eight hundred miles, then it's one of a couple, maybe. So um, it's just such a weird but, car. Uh, I mean, because it it was it, when it was new, you had a standard GTI. You could get in this generation, you get the VR6 GTI. This was a generation that Volkswagen totally screwed up. 
they they put in this uh, U.S. only soft suspension, and the cars were just yeah. not good. And I was shocked that you would pay so much extra for an R32 model when the experience wasn't that much better than a regular GTI that was, I think, 10 or 15 grand cheaper. So that's where I was always a little bit of a head scratcher to these. But I think to a certain uh, populace, these are, like I said, they're just, they love them. Um, well, one of the, one of the comments in here struck me uh, that you can buy a new uh, a new R model for with an MSRP of around forty five grand. Yeah, yeah, maybe that would be the better thing to buy. Um, maybe buy two of them for ninety, and put one of them away. I mean, if you have that kind of coin, right? Because uh, you could have fun with one and and use the other as your you know investment vehicle, so to speak. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, we all have our we're, like like I just talked about the beating. We're not all rational when it comes to these things, so maybe I should just yeah, keep absolutely. my mouth shut and just say I hope somebody really enjoys it. But it's just never been my cup of tea. The R thirty two has always felt like you were overpaying for. You just weren't getting enough something better experience wise from a GTI. <laughs> You know, every time I think about it, when somebody makes a comment like that, I always think about my daily driver, which is a uh, uh, 2021 F-150 Limited, which is the top of the line <laughs> F-150. It had a list price of $87,000. Yeah. Okay, $87,000. Yeah. And when you think about it, I could have gone to the same dealership and bought a same four-wheel drive Ford F-150 without all that content in it for forty grand less. So, you know, I guess I can't give this guy a hard time. You know, Dave, you worked hard. You deserve it. You want the Chrome with that limited badge? Go for it. It costs you 10 grand. I'm happy for you, Dave. Yeah, and it says limited up front. So everybody (laughs) knows when they, you know, in the rear view mirror, they read it and it goes, yeah, they can see that I got a limited. So that's important. By the way, if I could assuage you, I just bought a Ram pickup and I did what? I did the opposite. I bought the base model. Good. And it was, I think I walked out there, it was like 42 grand. Great, great, great truck. I like the Rams better than the F-150s. And, but every time I get in it, I'm like, it's, it doesn't even have automatic uh, <laughs> air conditioning. Like you have to turn the vial. I'm like, oh yeah, I got the cheap model, which I don't mind. You know, it's uh, you know I, always, I always say something about uh, uh, Silverado and uh, F-150 owners. There's only one thing they can agree on. What? You know what that is, right? One minute, yeah. Yeah, Ram owners are fools. Absolutely wrong. We're the creative, independent thinkers, unlike you sheeples that just blindly buy this. <laughs> Don't stop believing, brother. Don't stop believing. <laughs> okay, well, th- that was fun. Uh, again, uh, great time to buy. A lot of incredible bargains. I was just, I'm going to set a yeah, reminder and, on all of them for Cadillacs yeah. so I can get and the And the VW. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my nephew is going to be rolling in some 20 year old caddy. I, I mean, I see it already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so let's move on to our next segment. This is kicking tires. These are cars that are currently for sale and will be closing soon. And, and you've highlighted one, a very special car that's right now on the Haggerty marketplace auction site. Tell us about it. It's an 87 Ferrari Testarossa with 3,400 miles, white with tan. Remember wow. the white with tan thing? Yeah. It's currently at a bid of $96,000. The Haggerty Price Guide has these cars from currently, and I'm pretty sure this is going to go up, from 104 to 263 Yeah. Um, and this is, like you said, uh, on the Haggerty auction site right now. It is part of a celebrity collection. You know who the celebrity is? I do. I'm gonna, you tell us. I'm going to... 
grill you on this. There's your, there's your, uh, <laughs> That's there's so your bad. Hint. No. I know. Thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Uh, you know, let's see. I'm going to, we're going to have a slug fest if you can't figure this out. How's that? Oh, you want me to guess or you're trying to the audience? Yeah. I know who it is. I want you to just oh, tell you us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's George Foreman. It's George Foreman. Wait, the grill guy, the boxer guy, right? Yeah, same guy. Yeah, see, that's why the miles are so low. He couldn't fit in this thing. <laughs> Actually, I think he probably could. He probably I think could. He's got yeah. th- he has a thousand miles on it since uh, um, you know since he bought it. Uh, you know that. You know, he's a big guy, but uh, you know you have to be in great shape, so you should be able to, to wiggle into a, um, a Testarossa. If I can wiggle myself into one, he can definitely do it. So, uh, thirty-four hundred miles currently ninety-six thousand. It's going to sell for more, uh, but it's one worth checking out and totally. Totally rad '80s, as we uh, as we love to say. So, um, you know, I yeah. remember the '80s Testarossa, the first ones that came out. I want to say in '86, right? They had a single rear view mirror that stuck far out from the A pillar, and that yeah. that's sort of an iconic car. This is a later one, which was just before they went to the 512 designation. But these cars have been on a wild valuation ride over the last decade, and I'm asking you to explain it right because they they sort of spiked five or six years ago and then they came back down to earth am i ring am i talking yeah. what am i saying Help yeah me, that's Dave. that's Help pretty me. that's that's pretty much right the uh the low point and uh, i can document this because it was an actual auction i went to an auction in london which is where i am right now interestingly enough down at uh, at voxel and it was a uh, bottom sale and there was a testarossa an 87 i think we got the i think we got it in 87 i think you're right 86 was the first year for mm-hmm. the uh, for the european car so it was probably an 86 testarossa that was for sale and sold for 36000 pounds and all of the value in the car was in the number plate. You know, mm. the license plates in, in, uh, oh, in yeah. the UK, they're very expensive. And it had a, as they say, cherished number plate on it. Mm-hmm. The car was a 10,000 pound throwaway at that point. Mm. So that's the low point. And you're right. They did go up. They went back down. They're probably going to keep going up again for a while. What happened was more of them entered into the marketplace. You know, when yeah. that happens, people say, well, I can only get 86 grand for it. So I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to wait till I get 120. So when they become, you know, $120,000 cars, then people start to put them on the marketplace again. And that's what happens. Uh, this car, I like the celebrity ownership. I don't think the George Foreman stuff adds a ton of value to no. it. It becomes more interesting sure. than it is valuable. But I love the fact that uh, George Foreman kind of seen as a, a, you know, as an interesting and good guy. What he has five kids named George, something like that. I mean, this is kind of a, you know, kind of an unusual guy that way. But uh, anyhow, um, you know. I just like Testarossa uh, More power to of him. this era. You know, yeah, it, it yeah. was... Um, it was right around, this was one of the last cars that Enzo was involved in, right? Because he passed in 88. And so this was certainly developed under his watchful eye. Um, you know, it has a, a really unique engine that Ferrari didn't make for long. And it was just from the boxer that came before the Testarossa and then this car. And then it went away. It's a flat 12 engine in the back of now, behind you, the seats. You, you realize the the funny line that you just fed me, right? It's a boxer engine. And you're buying it from a boxer. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm just slow. I mean, I'm just slow. I didn't pick up on that. So <laughs> good for you for owning that. Uh, but, hey. you know, that, that that's one of the things I really like. They sound incredible. And they really had 
um, really decent punch to them. So it's not like one of those cars you buy, like, oh, I'm buying a Ferrari. Like, you know, I have that three-way GT4. It thing's slow. This car really has some beans. And as you say, it looks really wild. It was meant to be used. The thing you always have to wonder about these Ferraris, I think, I think catches people off guard, is the seating position is really weird. Right. It's yes, it is. A very, very Italian. You have to have your legs all the way out and your arms mm. all the way out. Yeah. And it, you better have long arms to drive this car. Yeah, it's it's built for people with really short leg and long arms and it's manual steering. So it's kind of stiff, especially around parking lots and things like that. But otherwise, no, you have people you have people park it for you, don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, you, you I'm talking about you. No, yeah. you, you have people park your car. Well, you have your kit. He'll park it for yeah, you, he'll right? Park it for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How much did you spend on paint on your 308, by the way? Is that a, a matter of public record? Oh, yeah. I put it put on it social on? media. So I just yeah. got the paint, and it was uh, that included the paint, the clear, and any of the thinning stuff was 2500 bucks total. And that's a gallon. So of paint. pretty much a third the price of that El Dorado that we should have bought, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta have perspective, brother. Gotta have perspective. Well, it'll be interesting to see where this thing trades. Uh, it's already uh, 100 grand is uh, pretty strong money this close into the auction so i think definitely going to be watching that i think we should well uh, the next one you had was that we already talked about was the 25th anniversary countach that's going to be for sale but let's drop right to the next one which is a super strange car um, and i want you to explain what it is because i'm not really sure okay so you realize bmw's had a very very long series of art cars you know it started with people like uh andy warhol did an, an art car for what BMW. is an art car now Okay, so they hired artists mm -hmm. to paint the cars, sometimes when they were race cars, mm -hmm. sometimes when they were brand new, mm -hmm. but they've decided to do it with brand new cars that they sell pretty much to the public, the public with an asterisk on it that says, you better be a big time BMW buyer to be in line for something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is owned by, and I'm just going to spell it out, you know the guy, Michael F-U-X. So we call them Fuchs, but we have to do that when we're talking social media here. Wow. Uh, the Mattress King of Miami, if you're wondering who that is. Mattress is a good a guy business, who, yeah. Yeah, he buys, uh, well, it can catch people sleeping on it. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, sorry, the, uh, uh now you you shouldn't have you shouldn't have interrupted me. So anyhow, this is one of Michael's cars. He's famous for having, I believe, four of his own paint colors uh, ah. from uh, from uh, Rolls Royce. He buys. He just was in the in the media for buying a new uh, the new Rolls Royce uh, um, whatever it is. Their you know SUV slash CUV whatever it is. I don't even know. That's three hundred and some odd thousand. He bought one because he's custom ordering one in his own colors, but it wasn't ready to be wow. you know, one of the first. So they yeah. sold him the first. But anyhow, old Michael commissioned this car. It's going to be at Meekum Kissimmee. And I hate saying this because Meekum Kissimmee seems like such a long way away. It's January. Yeah. We're almost in December right now. Six weeks so away. it's not all that long way. So Michael has put this car, Mr. Fuchs has put this car into, into the sales. One of 99 eight X's they're calling, uh, Jeff Coons, which is the, uh, is the artist special editions. And each one is different. I love the color scheme in this. It is out freaking rageous to the nth degree. Car's got 53 miles on it. Um, the current MR, MSRP of this car is three hundred fifty nine ninety five. Uh, it is, you know, uh, based on an M eight fifty I, 
uh, 4.4 liter twin turbo V8. So it's got some punch to it. Fast car. But I don't know what, what the hell is this car worth? I got no idea. Do you? I, I was just going to say, I have nothing to add here. It's got the craziest comic book paint job I've ever seen. Like, I don't know. Well, that's know. the whole idea. It's yeah. definitely comic book. I mean, we somebody's don't, got we, the stones to roll up somewhere in Gra this thing. Uh, I don't. So Graphic novel. Yeah, comic it, book. it's really Graphic hard to novel. imagine yeah. what this yeah. is going to trade for. I guess we'll find out. Could, that's why I'm glad it's going to be at an auction. <laughs> could, could you imagine driving this around and, and like, uh, you know, maybe like, you know, trying to do something on the sly, like, you know, go to the liquor store in the middle of the day or something like that. <laughs> I'm just going to buy Ain't some gonna happen. My there's, wife will there's, see me. There's going to be a record of, uh, you know, of cell phone photos of this car going up and down yeah. wherever you drive it for as long as you drive it, because it is a kind of an oddball looker. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I like see. it. I mean, it, it, it's this is one of those things the right people have to be in the room to bid this up. And that's probably a musical artist, you know, somebody that really appreciates something like this. Yeah, you know, Dead Mouse has got his uh, his uh, Ford GT, so you know he's kind of out of the market. We'll have to wait and see who it is. So yeah, yeah. so let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is a little more up my um, something that I really like. It's a 2018 Ferrari 488 Challenge car. It's right now. It's on the Hagerty Marketplace. Um, these cars, uh, these are factory built race cars, and um, that is a subtle but really important difference from someone else who will take like a Ferrari 48 streetcar, send it to a shop, and they install a roll cage and all that stuff. When, when it comes from the factory, it's all built in as the car is being manufactured. So you get a much better integrated experience. I mean, these are, and they depreciate really fast. So these things, are, I think, are pretty cool bargains, if you ask me. I mean, it's for sale for 210 grand. What did you want to add about it? You know, uh, 3.9 liter turbo V8. This car has two podium finishes and the Challenge Series in the U.S. and two podiums in Europe. Yeah. So it's got uh, got four wins under its belt. Um, and you're right. When they get played out and used up, uh, they get very, very cheap. This car is not played out and not used up. It's 57, 67 miles. But at some point you go, yeah, those miles were not exactly going down to the grocery store and back. They were definitely uh, a little more uh, tough miles. But, uh, you know, for somebody who wants to get into it, this is kind of the price of entry. This is one of those things where, you know, if you start flying airplanes and then you decide to buy an airplane, you're probably going to spend that kind of money, that 210000 to get your first one you don't probably want the one that's sixty six thousand. Uh, you know you want to have a good one that has been competitive because you could probably make it competitive again if you're a good driver. If you're not a good driver that needs to learn some uh, some issues, you're better off getting a used one than a new one. So I think that's probably what uh, you know the the potential buyer is for this. Yeah. Uh, kind of an oddball car. Uh, you know the challenge yeah, but cars are, but you're right they were they were factory built for. Uh, for street, but also for racing and mostly for racing. So don't look for the air conditioning button. Don't look for the stereo button. I have a Porsche version of this. It's a 2008 mm -hmm. Porsche 911 uh, GT3 Cup. Right. And it's uh, basically the race car version that Porsche sold through Porsche Motorsports. They are, they're stupid cheap. I mean, they made almost a thousand of them. You can get a really good one for 80 grand. And it has mm -hmm. a 450 horsepower engine that revs to, I think it revs to 8,500 howls. It's got a sequential gearbox with a big stick that you pull. A absolute thrilling machine to drive. But like any race car, the upkeep is terrifying. What everybody tells me is that once you get 100 hours on the motor, you're looking at a $40,000 rebuild 
for it. And that's just a rebuild. That's not a new engine. So the upkeep's really high. But on the flip side, they do so many things at the factory that make it easier to own as a race car. I'll just give you one example is, you know, where a suspension bolts to the frame of a streetcar, you have something called a bushing that usually has some sort of rubber element in it to, yeah. to isolate it, make it a little more refined. Well, on a race car, you don't care about that. You just want a, a solid mount, one that's easy to maintain. So my Porsche has all spherical bearings. So they're hard mounted to the to the frame. And that made just some little things like that to just make maintenance and owning it a whole bunch easier. And there's all kinds of little tricks to a car like this. So, you know, this 288, I mean, it's, you're going to be the fastest thing at any track day. And 488. 48, sorry, like 48. So it, it's quite a cool car. The downside is like same thing with my Porsche. If I wreck it really hard and uh, I bend the tub because they're unibody cars, yeah. it's pretty much a write-off. Well, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, we can discuss this because you know how to make uh, uh, become a millionaire in the uh, challenge racing business, right? (laughs) Start with three million dollars, you know, spend the two, you're back down to a million. That's how you do it. That's how you become a millionaire. Totally. That's the way you do it. So fun car. I mean, race cars depreciate. And then at some point, if they were um, fancy enough, they appreciate. And then so we'll see where this goes. There's one more car that you've highlighted. And it's uh, it's again a 180 from this Ferrari just talking about. Why don't you talk? Why don't you explain what what you what you're talking about here? How about a 2007 Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible? Now you never see these cars anymore. You used to see them every once in a while. Uh, I yeah. you know, picked this one, Larry, because it's in Holland, Michigan, so it's not too far for you. Not even a day drive there and back to buy it. Right so, near Lake Michigan, uh, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, so it's already been registered in Michigan. So none of the problems, bring it in the state and all that sort of stuff. Just go to the title clerk, get it done, you know, whatever. 8,000 bucks. Um, it's got some miles on it. It's got 158,000 miles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Black, black. Uh, it's yours. I mean, you know, you definitely need this car. Yeah. It's another one of those super fun, a lot of fun for the money. I mean, 8,000 and if you keep this thing long enough, uh, you'll get your money back. I mean, you know, it's already got 157,000 miles. I, you know, not, not a guarantee, just my thought. You think uh, so? Keep it nice. Yeah, keep it nice. It said it's a summer-driven car, so it's not a, you know, a wintertime beater. Uh, five-speed manual transmission. Uh, ready to go, it looks like. You know, a couple <sighs> cars here on the uh, Haggerty Marketplace. Uh, you know, this one's a little more affordable than the last one on the Marketplace For at sure. 210. So at eight grand, that, you, you should think about this one. Dave, I, I think that's a great way to end it. You've uh, really brought us a, a kaleidoscope of available automobiles. And, you know, I think what we also learned, even though we still believe it's a great time to buy, the market is just becoming rational. There's still some areas where it's pretty crazy, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, it's always going to be that way. There's always yeah. going to be dreamers. There's always going to be people who get big money. There's always going to be people who ask big money and people who pay big money. That's the way the market goes. And a lot of times, you know, the joke's on us sometimes, Larry. You know, we're sitting here laughing about somebody paying the million and a half for a Wolf of Wall Street car. You know, uh, back, you know, someday when the museum opens up and the guy's got both of them that he paid, uh, you know, uh, three and a half million for the pair of them. Yeah. And he's charging people 10 bucks to take a look at them. You know, the laughs uh, definitely on him and not on us. So we don't know. I mean, we're just taking a guess. There you go. You got anything else you want to add before we sign off, Dave? 
No, I think it's a good time to, uh, you know, to, to basically review what's good for you and what's not. It's a great time to think about selling something that uh, you don't need anymore. I see a lot of people putting some collections of things on, especially the automobilia stuff that doesn't mean anything to them anymore. Talked to a guy recently selling some of his signs. I sold some of my signs this year. Oh. You know, it's time to, uh, wintertime, it's time to, you know, take a good look at that stuff and, uh, you know, and think about whether you really want to have it uh, and whether you want to, Leave it for your kid who doesn't care or whether you want to uh, sell it now and turn it into cash and, you know, take a vacation. That's a good point. Don't be a prisoner to your stuff. Exactly. Good way to put it. Good way to end it, Dave. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time on No Reserve. Thanks much.